there. Welcome to season three of the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Join us this season as we chat with other successful podcasters to give you the best tips and tricks to create your own podcast that makes you proud to share with the world. Without further delay, enjoy today's episode. Ready when you are. Finlay McLaren, host of the Chatting Fit Podcast. Welcome back to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Casey, thank you so much for having me again. Dude, I had such a great time chatting with you last time. Uh, We weren't chatting fit last time, but we were chatting about podcasting and it was amazing. And we had come up on the time of the episode and only covered about half of the things that I wanted to cover. So I'm super grateful that I put you on the spot and asked you if you wanted to come back to finish our chat about podcasting. So here we are for part two. Mate, I appreciate it. It's funny when you start talking about this stuff, how much just spills out. I'm sure, I'm sure I bore a lot of people, but it's like, you can keep me talking about this stuff all day now. It's, it's super important. And it it is a topic that most people think like, well, how am I going to talk about podcasting for 45 minutes? And you get into the flow of it and there's just so many components to it that it it becomes really easy, um, to, to talk about. And, and, you know, I was just, I was just recording an episode of our main show, Boundless Body Radio with somebody who's done podcasting since like 2016. And she was mentioning, you know, what podcasting meant to her and all the connections and networking that she's been able to do in her career of podcasting for now several years. And she mentioned that the podcasting community is one of the absolute best communities out there for helping other people. Have you noticed that yourself? Yeah, I think it's just, it's a a community where everyone is pulling in the same direction. Like there's this symbiosis of people that you're asking to be on the podcast. You're actually elevating their profile by giving them more coverage and they're helping you by improve the quality, improving the quality of your show by just being on it. And then other podcasters, you will understand the struggles and the camaraderie and everything else in between when you're trying to grow a show or trying to get more coverage or traction or just trying to reach out and, and help each other. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a little community. I absolutely love that. I do have an update before we jump into things. Last time I was telling you about a, a guest that we were hosting on our show that talked about Cogno movement. And you asked what Cogno movement was. And I, I said, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to do a session of that or not. I don't know exactly what it entails. <laughs> I have now, I'm going to do a session. This is a Cogno movement ball, which I still don't know a ton about, but I'm going to use it. It's actually, I couldn't get it to inflate all the way. So I think it's already defective. Um, but th- this, so, so that's got little symbols on it. Like. So colors yeah, and symbols. It's got colors and symbols. The symbols are supposed to be like chakras, basically. So for different body centers, it's something about the geometric shapes of it that is supposed to be really powerful. So I'm going to do a session. I'll let you know how it comes, how it goes, like firsthand. And th- please do this. This woman, Katie Wrigley, reached out to me um, with her boyfriend because they wanted to start a carnivore diet. So they are now on a carnivore diet and are ten days into it and are doing really well. Oh, wow. So th- another example of interesting connections. What's the verdict so far? So far, they're feeling really good. Um, I think you know as well as anybody, when somebody is starting to switch over to a ketogenic diet or they're trying to remove carbohydrates from their their food or they're starting a carnivore diet, there is an adjustment period, right? Like your body, you know, if it's being fed a lot of carbohydrates, is going to burn carbohydrates as fuel and and it, it gets... You know, a, a lot worse at burning fat. And so a cool thing that happens is you can teach your body to actually burn off some of the fat you've already stored, which again, you well know. Um, but for the listener, there is an adjustment period. There is going to be some time where you're going to feel a little crummy. You're going to feel tired. You might have cramps. You might get headaches. And those are all just really good signs that you're actually moving in the right direction, mm-hmm. even though it's pretty uncomfortable. So there's somewhere in there, but definitely noticing more energy, less desire to eat. They're, they don't need to snack nearly as much. So I, I think it's going really well yeah 100 it, it's 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 a difficult hump to get over when you're everyone is talking about how great low carb is and then when you try it you're like oh, i feel terrible yep. and then, then it's like a week after that or four days four five days ten days however long it is then you start to really like accelerate in how good you feel but it's like you know if someone tells me to quit coffee i don't feel good for three days <laughs> you know <laughs> yep. that, that that caffeine he talks, stays a long time. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So one thing that I will tell my people is imagine that you are taking a trip to Bali. Okay. So to get to Bali, you have to board several planes. You have to stand in line with a bunch of smelly people. You have to have awful layovers everywhere you go, bus transfers or whatever else it involves. It's a huge pain and takes a long time to get there. Once you're in Bali, you're in Bali. And what if I told you you could stay in Bali for as long as you liked? Like you think back on how difficult it is to get there. Well, you do it because you're going to get to Bali. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing to me. For somebody trying to start low carb, like, yeah, it's it's going to suck for a little while, but you're going to reach paradise. You can stay in paradise yeah. as long as you like when you get there, but you have to get there. That's a great analogy. I love it. I'm going to steal that one, I think. I can't remember who I stole that from, but that definitely was not an original for me. So feel free to steal away. Uh, last time we talked about why you were podcasting. We covered software. We covered the hardware that you use. I thought that was really helpful um, to hear all of that. We talked about your preparation. We kind of started to get into the actual interview that we were doing, and we kind of had to stop there, like we said earlier on in this episode. And so mm. let's let's pick up there. I know, again, we talked about this a little bit last time, but I think it would be a good place to start. What are some things that are going through your mind, not only in preparation, but actually during the interview? What 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 are you thinking about? Mm. What are you trying to capture? How are you trying to phrase your questions? What things go through your mind? Yeah, it's a good question. I think bef- certainly before the interview, it's trying to really nail down what are the expert areas of the guests? Like what is going to be their story? What's going to make them kind of look best and where where what's the information that we can get them to shine on and that's been more recently i've started to bring that into the equation more rather than just overall research because it's very easy with overall research to start throwing questions at them that they may not actually be very knowledgeable on just because it's like top of mind questions so it's trying to understand where their real core knowledge and gold is and then during the interview it's trying to listen that's the hard bit is actually listening to what they want to say rather than waiting to speak or waiting or trying to think, what's the best question to ask? Blah, blah, blah. It's like sometimes the most natural conversations are the best ones to listen to. And sometimes you can hear when a conversation is kind of stilted or flow. So just trying to listen and understand and pick up bits that are, that I think would be interesting as a listener that's the real skill. And like active listening is anyone who tell you it's a hard skill to master. It is. So are you, are you listening to then allow the conversation to, to flow where you want it to, or in your mind, is there like a set outline or set questions that you want to ask that person ahead of time? So depending on how fluent they are will depend on how structured I am to, you know, a line of questioning. I'll have sort of, I'll generally do like a mind map beforehand and I will have like the key topics, you know, if I'm interviewing a carnivore, it might be like nutrition or a social issue around it or what types of meat, um, the science behind it. And then like, what do you think about veganism and these sort of main overarching topics? And then within there, then there might be some key questions that will pop up and I just might think, Oh, that's an interesting segue. That's, it's interesting they've said that. So I'll try not to be too rigid. Um, and it, it's, it's a balance because if you're the more prepared you are beforehand, the more comfortable you'll feel in the actual conversation, because you won't even have to look at your notes. Really. You'll just, you'll, you'll, you'll have an overall idea of the research that you've done. And then you'll be able to just say, you know, what about this? or what about that? Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Are you familiar with the STEM Talk podcast? No. Okay. One of my favorites, I try to listen to every episode. They do cover a lot of um, technology and things like AI. He has, um, Ken Ford is is the name of the host. He's in his 60s. He's also keto, low carb. You, you should check out this dude. He is jacked. I'm writing it down right now. Jacked <laughs> in his 60s, like amazing <laughs> shape. And so they do talk a lot about, about different diet stuff related to low carbohydrate keto. They talk about robotics and he has a history of working with NASA and the United States government and all kinds of different things in the space program. So very, very smart guy. Their style of podcast is very interesting. You can tell that the questions are very much premeditated and even like written down ahead of time. You can just tell that they're reading it. And the question might be, we understand Finlay that you grew up in such and such. 
what, how can you describe your experience? You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's very much mm. like a rote thing or you researched cholesterol as part of your main thesis. What things did you learn about LDL cholesterol? And it, it, it mm. sounds, it sounds a little robotic. It sounds definitely premeditated and, and like they're reading it, but it elicits really, really good answers from people who appreciate the level of depth that these people go into. And so I, I, I don't do that, but I've been thinking more about that and maybe trying to find a way to incorporate that because of the responses. He gets really good responses from his guests. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, it's, it's the two styles, isn't it? It's, it's one is trying to be a more natural conversation at which point you might miss out the depth of information. You might go down some segues that maybe are not that relevant to the listener, or you can have this super structured, um, the two super structured type questionnaire style where it's everything's pre-planned beforehand. And I think both, both are good. And maybe, you know, like you're saying, it's how do you get to that depth of information? And maybe that's the core of it for some podcasts. It's like just depth of information. Like people are just there. They're not there to hear the host have a personality. They're not there to hear, um, you know, conversational stuff. They're just here to get depth of information. Um, you know, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I sort of, I was too laissez-faire, I think, when I started. When I'm listening back, it was like, not enough research, not enough structure from where the conversation wanted to go. And it often ended up down rabbit holes where neither party <laughs> were in their expert field at all. Talking about social issues, we had no no business talking about. And, you know, that's a risk as well. So I think as time's gone on, I have pushed further towards the style that you're saying is having more pre-planned questions um, and it's all part of that evolution, isn't it? I mean, I'm on uh, episode 34 came out and I think that was very information dense. And at that point, I've got to see the response to that to see if that it, 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 um, it gets more traction than those before and see if it starts pushing up the average. So it's, it's, it's all a learning curve. And I love the idea of having a really information dense podcast, but I don't like the idea of being clamped to yeah. a, uh, a script. Yeah. We talked about this last time. You do invite people on your show who have interesting ideas about things and are more than willing to go into those <laughs> topics that you may or may not want to cover, you may or may not agree with, but you're really good, like very, very good at allowing them to talk about what they want to. You can still bring it in a little bit to, to come back to the topics you want to talk about, but mm -hmm. you don't you don't get in the way and you don't argue with them why why do you approach it that way <laughs> i think i think sometimes looking back on it i think it's a lack of preparation and i think it's just like sometimes i'm just blown away i'm like i did not see that coming you know so i so i have to let them just go off on the rant that they're going to go off on and yeah it's blindsiding and sometimes i think you know i can remember particularly back in my mind uh dr kilt dr robert kilt fantastic guy really knowledgeable but I did not probe enough in some of his little, in some of his rambling arguments that didn't necessarily get to a circular conclusion, didn't necessarily get to it like a, like a destination to tie everything up. Sometimes it ended with a sort of God explanation, or sometimes it ended up as there were explanations about the microbiome or protein requirements that, I really wasn't expecting him to come out with saying that, you know, we didn't really need much protein in the diet or um, probiotics were harmful to humans and a few other things in there, which I'm sure he has like a detailed scientific explanation on. But I was just a little bit blown away. There were too many things flying at me for me to pull him up on one or two of them. Um, I was just sort of a, a bit confused. So, I think as well, along with that, it's, I try not to be combative, which is very popular on social media and it's very easy to get traction being combative. And often I'm there with the podcast to let the guest give their side of the argument anyway. So if there's a way that I can promote more information to just get more information of their side of the argument out, 
rather than saying, no, I don't agree with that. This is the answer that I think it is. It's more like, what do you think of this? Yeah. Um, and try and get their perspective on that because nine times out of 10, they're going to have a perspective on it because it will have been thrown at them before the caliber of guests. Both of us are, are having on, they've been on many podcasts and they've been thrown these questions before and they, they, they know their stuff. So, you know, whether, whether it's vegan or carnivore or, or anything in between, like a lot of the vegans who are scientific doctors and who are, um, you know, medical doctors have very good explanations for why they believe that veganism is the one it's just, you know, it's down to us to, to have, have other ed- evidence of why we think it's not the case. So yeah. it's just as much down to us to have our ammo ready um, as it is for them to, to be able to justify their case. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you at all for not expecting some of that stuff. I feel like I'm fairly familiar with Dr. Kill's work. His book is right behind my shoulder. I keep very few books, and that's one that I have. And I didn't see any of that coming. I thought you did a really great job handling that. I, I As a host, I would feel like my guests' opinions always reflect my opinions. And, I, and th- th- that vibe doesn't come across mm. in your interviews. And this is also where I have found a lot of usefulness in asking questions in the third person getting myself out of the questioning to not make it so direct. So rather than saying like, wow, I don't think that idea is really good. I might say, okay, for a listener that disagrees with you, they might think this as opposed, what would you like mm-hmm. to say to that listener? And that's somebody that's not part of the conversation. And and that takes away some of that combativeness that you're trying to avoid. I've, I've found that to be very yeah. useful. hundred percent. Yeah. I've often found myself, I think it's been that, like I'd always done it natural, naturally. I'm quite, um, I'm not a big one on sort of argumentative conflict, although some people may disagree, but talking, talking in the scene of, of, you know, another person may say another person may have this argument. Um, you know, I'll play devil's advocate here and throw this question at you. Like the little things like that, that still keep you aligned with them in a conversational sense. But don't, um, you know, but still challenge their ideas a little bit. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. I love that. Let's talk about mm. the, the second the recording is done. What are the next steps of your process? How are you then taking that conversation to be an actual podcast that you release? Mm. So I try to, I've realized the longer that I've been doing this, the more efficiency and little economic time savers, the better. So it used to be that I would wait, I'd finish recording a podcast and then I wouldn't touch it again until I had to release it, you know, uh, until, cause sometimes I have eight to 10 episodes pre-recorded that I'm working on. So that's about 10 weeks. So it might be two months before I come back and touch that podcast again, which really like it's then not top of mind. It's not fresh in my head. So generally the day of or the day after i'll quickly go back through and listen to some key points you're better at taking the making the timestamps as you go but i'll go through and i'll pick out some main bits and i think okay that was the interesting segment that was interesting um and then i will closer to the time i will make an intro that's sort of the week that i'm going to be releasing the podcast on the thursday i would then go on to audacity i will record a two minute intro about something that's maybe relevant to that week you know like if there was meat taxation coming in then i would say oh you know this is crazy that we have this going on like maybe a little social thing or a little thing that maybe they posted on their social media something to make it relevant to that time then and then there's very little actually editing that needs to be done i don't go through and edit any ums and ahs out i don't I used to do that at the start. It was just absolute killer um, to go through and try and edit ums and ahs. And, and like, if there's, if there's like the sound of a big truck going past that's, that really distorts any audio, then I might take that out. But um, I'll cut out the, the first bit at the start, which is generally, um, especially in the video, the Zoom video, there'll be like a little lag between the recording starting and, you know, the actual podcast starting. So I'll cut that out. And then I'll add my little jingle that goes in the start, little audio bit that goes in the start, but I'll put the main, the full video on YouTube pretty much as is. 
And I won't touch that at all. I mean, cross platforms, anyone getting into podcasting or who's been in podcasting a while or yourself, like the more platforms you're working on, the, the longer everything takes. So the more you can just streamline everything, the better. So goes on YouTube. I might reference back to those, um, the little timestamps that I've got and see which are the like kind of a couple of interesting bits. And then I'll make a couple of reels. For Instagram, maybe maybe going to cut that down to one because again, that's super time consuming. And I'll have a short section on YouTube as well. So, number of different things kind of happening afterwards, but very little happening to the actual audio or video itself. It's more just how I cut it. Gotcha. And you're just using Zoom audio. I'm just using Zoom audio, yeah. And I put that into Audacity, which is a free audio working program and that's when i add in my intro and that's when i add in the the intro jingle and i've just started actually adding a clip from within the podcast you know like a statement that they're saying or like i believe carnivore is good for this because of x y and z like a 10 second clip and put that before the jingle or anything i think quite a few podcasts do this so that when the first thing the listener hears is an interesting outtake of five to 10 seconds, which kind of hooks them in is that's the premise hooks them in. And then it will go into my intro and my jingle. And then the, the, the podcast will lead on from there. But that's one thing I'm experimenting with. And keep that. Um, keep that. It's really good. Yeah. I think it, you do that on some of yours, right? I, I don't, and I might start doing that on some of mine. I I really like it. I think it's well done. Yeah, it it, it just and because I've listened back to a few of mine now, and I'm like, it actually because sometimes my titles because again, like another thing, you, your titling of your podcast and your titling of YouTube and stuff. Like everyone says it makes a huge difference. So then I'll spend time to understand the titling and stuff. So. It, it's as much as you can get your title to correspond to the first elements of your video or your audio, the better, because the person who is maybe just discovering your podcast may be just looking for specific information. And that's why they've searched and come across the title. And then listening to the first 30 seconds or 10 seconds is going to tell them that they're in the right place. So that's a kind of bit of logic behind it. And I think it sounds a bit more professional. It sounds um, really good. I hope you keep it. Yeah. I really like that. Me thank too. You, thank you for talking about your process. I, I, it's very interesting, totally different than the way I do it. If, if I left those episodes to go that long, I would feel the exact same way that like, I, I can't remember having this conversation. I can't remember the ins and outs. And so all of my process, the editing and all of that stuff ha- for me has to be done that day. I have to get it done that afternoon. Um, but, but there's things that I used to do that I also don't that have made it a lot easier. So show notes. Um, my show notes are my introduction. All I do is mm. cut my introduction, paste it. <clears throat> And to my podcast host, those are the notes. That's pretty much all I do besides linking some of the things that they want me mm-hmm. to link or any relevant other, you know, if I mentioned a, a, a previous podcast that we did, I'll link some of that, but that's it. I used to hand write mm-hmm. all of my introductions um, wow. <clears throat> and create them myself. I copy and paste. I steal so many introductions. If they don't have one yeah. that they have from a book or something, I'll take it from another podcast. I don't care. I'll put it in bits and pieces. And, and, and steal it. So my introduction then becomes my notes, which then becomes the body of text on my YouTube, which I also don't mm. do much editing outside of just the trim feature on YouTube, which basically starts it when I start talking and stops it when our episode is done recording. So they don't have to see, you know, the, the before chat and the after chat or anything like yeah. that. Um, and, and yeah, that, that helps me move the, the, the needle along a little bit faster and be, become a little bit more efficient. So it's cool to yeah. talk to other people who have different ways of doing it. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. The intro as well, I because I always wanted to have a bit more, like we were saying, the difference between a conversational podcast and a really structured like questions podcast. I wanted to have a bit of my personality coming through. So then I would, um, that's why I had the intro that's not necessarily fully devoted to like my guest. It might be a little bit about like what the relevance is to the guest, but it's not going to talk about their credentials or anything. And then I always ask them to define themselves. And then that stops me having to put a, an, a, like a specific intro that, you know, I'm trying to find out how they define themselves, rah, rah, rah. So, 
and then but yeah like you're saying the the, the writing of the you know that I, I use a program called anchor to distribute the podcast but putting the description in there that's a bit of a you know that that might take 30 minutes to an hour to you know find their about section define them in a certain way and then write that out so yeah i again that's an area that you've optimized really well and i need to um it's either thrive or die with this industry stuff. So it's like either get it, get it right and optimize it and, and make time for your other stuff, or you're going to end up with a scrappier uh, outcome. Yeah, no, again, it's just different ways of doing things. So I appreciate hearing that. My, my first question is audacity. How long would you say it took you to become proficient enough in audacity? Because that was a hurdle that I could not clear. That was mm. way too much for me. Mm. It was way hard. I th- I think it was, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe 10 episodes. Like I think the, it was understanding what was really relevant. Like you can approach a new platform or a new tool saying, right, I need to understand all of the, the ins and outs of this tool and its capabilities. Or I can say, right, what do I actually need to do? I need to be able to like cut down the audio length. I need to be able to amplify or suppress audio in some places i need to be able to silence clips and it's just like copy and paste like a lot of the capabilities i do not use i mostly just am like the equivalent of highlighting a section copy and pasting like and moving a stuff in a document around i mean it, it's it's once you've got the hang of a few bits of the tool then it's not too bad and um but yeah maybe five five to ten episodes but okay. the long the, the less i used to only release i think once once a month and then once every two weeks and that then it got down to once a week but when it was once a month it was like it could have been three weeks before i used the program again and i just forgotten everything and like so a lot of this is just like the continuous nature of it using these programs every week i'm sure someone could get to grips with it in two days if they were using it for like five hours for two days five hours a day but then it's like constant refresher isn't it i mean like how long did it feel like it took you to get used to it so i don't use it (laughs) i don't use it okay i I, so i use buzzsprout right so i use buzzsprout for my hosting so that would be the equivalent to anchor for you Mm. um but i use a website called alitu which is a-l-i-t-u um and and they make the editing process very easy there is some the processing features in there. So they clean up your audio a little bit. Um, it's very easy to make cuts. It's easy to, um, it's easy to, again, yeah, make the cuts and, and make it sound really good. And, and it's, it's, it's easy. It's very straightforward. It's user-friendly over time. They've added other features that I really appreciate. And so if I don't have recorded video, what I can do using Alitu is convert my audio file into a squiggly line kind of a video. And it's not great, but I could put, I could put that on YouTube and people watch that, which is a little yeah. surprising to me, but it's, it's kind of nice. So if I do an episode where I'm taking like a bunch of clips from all kinds of different episodes, that's what I'll do. I'll convert that into a video that can go on YouTube. So I've got content there and the audio. They also yeah. recently added a transcription feature. So along with the feed that I'm paying every single month, I can get my episodes transcribed. It's a certain amount of time per month, but basically if you're doing one podcast a month, it's that would easily fit in your like mm. monthly budget. And so that's been wow. useful for different things as well. The downside is I have to pay. I pay $28 a month. I've had my podcast for over two years. That's, that's a significant amount of money. And I yeah. was willing to pay that money to make it easy on myself. But at the same time, I also know like, man, that that's a high price to pay when I could have maybe buckled down a little bit more and learned the most important features of audacity. So that's something I'm constantly battling. Yeah. It's the balance between efficiency and cost, isn't it? Like you've made it more efficient, but the cost has gone up and, um, you know, there's other tools that I use for other editing stuff, like for, to make the reels and stuff, I'll use Veed. I think that's like $10 a month. And then I pay for the zoom package. That's like $10 a month as well, or $12 or something. And then um canva i have canva for the social media stuff that's another ten dollars a month like so this stuff mounts up and then like i was using riverside i don't have you heard of riverside for yeah yeah, and i don't know whether i I was just in when they were just still working out glitches but i found it really glitchy it didn't really work too well with my computer i don't know what 
Like it, like stuff was cut off at the bottom. And although the, the finished product was normally nice when it, when I got it to be nice, like it was just, and sometimes like connecting with people at a distance, I haven't found anything that beats zoom, like for calling across continents for some reason, like Riverside, we just couldn't handle doing video calls to Australia or to like, you know, Asia or something. It was just, it just didn't work. So, um, I suppose you, you just, some of it's a, it's a complete Frankenstein of, of, of mashed products behind the scenes yeah, totally. to, to, to finally come with a, with a finished product that looks half decent. Yeah, totally. And one, one downside to using some of those other, um, podcast recording apps. I've noticed this when I've been hosting on other people's show, most people do use zoom, but there's some people that use those and it could be like five or 10 minutes before the show where I'm chasing down a link and I have to create an yeah. account sometimes. And sometimes one time it like, it wouldn't let me use my phone. So I had to get my computer set up. I do everything on my phone. And that's so, classic Riverside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, pretty sure that's what it was and it's like contrast that to zoom it's 2023 everybody has zoom like everybody yeah. and the planet mm-hmm. can use it they make it easy and it's you know it's reliable like you said around the world so i i, agree. I, I think i think that's the whole thing like we discussed last time and i'm showing all this like nice microphone and like a webcam and like lights and stuff but like that's overthinking things you know like it, it just it, it, you you made the perfect statement like all you need is those like microphone headphones and a phone to start that's all you need and then everything else from there is just a bonus and um it's the same with the software like, i don't know why i had it in my head like no zoom will not do for me i need to have something super fancy and then ultimately at the end of the day I, and i i was a bit reluctant to pay any money to zoom and they kept cutting off the time limit of 40 minutes that's so right. i thought you know so then eventually once I just said, well, that, you know, they're top for a reason. And I think Google meets I've heard is all right. Mm. Um, but again, I didn't want to pay them more either. So, <clears throat> you know, zoom has been great. Zoom has been great. I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, I totally agree. So mm. b- between the last episode that you and I did on this podcast and this episode, which is going to come out soon, um, in between that, my episode on your show came out and yeah, um, it, it was great to listen to again. I always re-listen and you created some of those Instagram reels <laughs> and it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I suck so bad at Instagram, which, you know, you, all the time you're like, Hey, will you make me a collaborator on this post? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do I do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to leave it for, for a week or two. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I have no idea like what I'm sharing and stories and reels and all this stuff. I, I'm really yeah. bad at it. You, whatever you made for reels, has that like definitely boosted your marketing? Because after you made a reel of our conversation, I had tons of people starting to follow me. They started liking some of my posts. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> you said you used a, a, a third-party software a company yeah, that like helped so you make more dynamic content. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, well, it's um, sometimes it feels like a labor of love, and sometimes sometimes it gets like I had a reel the other day. Uh, with Dr. Bill Schindler, and that got like over half a million views. Wow. And it just exploded. And like, I think nearly 9,000 likes or eight and a half thousand likes. Wow. And so that was crazy. But then some will just like fall flat. You know, they'll get like five likes or, and, and it is, it really relies on the collaboration aspect. So anyone who uses in- Instagram will know. And this is education for you as well, Casey. Thank you. I so appreciate it. will know that in order to get two sort of uh, artists or producers of the reel on there, you need to collaborate with someone else. And that has that cross-pollination effect, you know, whereby both, both of us, we've been on each other's podcasts now. So that's one cross-pollination. And then once we're shown, you know, my podcast is then shown on your Instagram and your face is then shown on my podcast instagram like that's a boost for both of us and so what i generally do is i'll go through and i will i use a program called vsdc and that is like just a general video editing software so that's what i'll do at the start when i'm going through the clips i will just go through i'll cut out like five one minute clips or so or sometimes a 10 minute clip or some sometimes just something that easily sort of clicks like for instance i just released my podcast with Carrie Bennett and she's talking about the power of light and water 
for human health. And so like a really obvious place is when I asked her the question, like, how does light impact the human body? And then I'll just go to the end of where her answer is to that question. And then, um, and I'll clip that, that might be two minutes, it might be five minutes. And then I would take that video and I will, I'll save that. that. That's a quick, that's like an hour of finding five, three, four, five videos in that podcast, in that video podcast. And then I'll go away, I'll do something, you know, a few days might go by and then I'll come back to those five videos. I've got ADD, basically. I just can't concentrate on anything for more than an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> so then I'll come back to those videos and I'll say, right, that's a good section. And again, like with Instagram, it's the more controversial, the better, which I hate to say. So I'll find like a small snippet in there and I'll cut that into like a real sized picture. It might take anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour to go in and cut out a few of the ums and ahs. Like a flowing video is super important with an Instagram reel or YouTube reel. And I'll try and make it under one minute because then I'll be able to easily put that on YouTube shorts as well. So then I have a template on Canva that I'll just drop that video in. And then that will have my chatting fit podcast. And then I'll write in the name of the person underneath, like the ep- and the episode number. And then I will, God, I, I, I can hear how many different platforms I'm using now. And no wonder it takes me ages. <laughs> like, and then I, t- <laughs> I save that video and then I take it over to a platform called Veed, which has the transcription software, like you were talking about, but it, it give puts subtitles on there, like that you can put in a funky style. And that might take another. 30 minutes to an hour depending on if i'm being really pernickety at putting like little pictures in there like i think for you we had the 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 logo of coca-cola's balance energy balance network which was shut down in 2018 when it or 2015 when everyone realized how corrupt it was that's right and um so like and then you know little bits of text something to make it a little bit more interesting than just the talking but it's a real it's still this evolution and learning curve because that whole process, depending on how anal I am about it, might take like two hours to make a reel, which, you know, you could say doesn't have a big material impact in that moment. But I've managed to grow this Instagram account from zero to a thousand. We just hit a thousand, a thousand followers two days ago. Uh, in like three months wow and so that's quite quick growth and i can see there was also another reel where dr anthony chafee is talking about dr paul saladino and they're disagreeing about fruit and like that like 10x my listenership when that reel got like a hundred thousand views in in a week and so it was that controversial topic but you might have to do 10 reels before you get one to go slightly viral yeah and it's like it's a slow grind and again i'm impatient i've got add i just uh, i don't have officially diagnosed add (laughs) but self-diagnosed but you know like so you've got this slow growth over time or which is what i'm trying to go for is like just do everything i can to accelerate the growth and those those reels really fall into that because you can see when i get a viral reel like that all all of the people that come from that reel, 90% will not come back and, and listen again to the podcast. They're only looking for that segment of information, which spans a wide range of people. But mm. even if I get an extra 5% of listeners for a good reel, that's a hell of a return yeah. for there. And so then it snowballs and all of those reels, like I've done 57 reels or something on there. And normally it's between two or three per guest. And so I have about 20 banners on people with reasonable followings on their page saying chatting fit podcast. And that's the main thing is like, if I, if you see this as an advertising sense and someone else has credibility, they have trust, they have a listenership, they have a load of people that trust what they say, and you're getting them to put a little banner of what they've said with the chatting fit podcast in front of all their audience then you know there's nothing more powerful than that as a as a marketing tool well that's fantastic and that that sounds like a lot of work but it sounds like it's it's giving you dividends it it's it is a lot of work but i i i love the real when it comes out like because i i love to think like 
you know, is this too controversial? Is this too much? Like, because, you know, at the start of that reel, I was about to put, you know, the one where we're talking about calories in, calories out. And, and it, it was actually ended up being almost a little bit too long. But I had mentioned um, Lane Norton and Graham Tomlinson. And I was going to put me mentioning them in that at the start of the reel. And I thought, you know what, I I'm not actually going to throw Casey under the bus because <laughs> he's going to be the one who they come after. So, you know, it's things like that that would really accelerate this stuff. But then you think on balance, like, um, do I really want to call people out mm. at the moment? Maybe one day, like, but, you know, it, it's, it's you're inviting something in to your life at that point when you start pointing fingers at people and so you know on balance i i steered away from it but maybe the uh, the devil on my shoulder will get me one day (laughs) well if it does i hope it's not with me um (laughs) and i told you before the recording that next month i'm going to meet dr bill schindler at low carb denver Mm. guess who else is speaking at low carb denver I guess it's going to be Mr. Lane Norton. Mr. Lane Norton. So that would have uh, maybe maybe saved me a punch in the face or something. So yeah, I, it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess all's fair in love and war. That's I mean, right. I think yeah, that's hope, right. Hopefully, he can see past. Like, I mean, the, the amount he goes in on Paul Saladino, and someone else was going in on Saladino. I, I, have you heard of Simon? I want to say Simon um, Simon Hill. Who has uh, yeah. a podcast called The Proof? I think so. Yeah. And he's always going. Saladino seems to be perfect anim- ammo for a lot of people, but um, so he's always going in on him as well. And you know, like these guys are—they're getting some serious traction with these things. So if one's goal was to grow a social media following and induce people to engage with your content, I think that's a really, really savvy way to go. If you're thick-skinned and yeah. you can stand up to, to this stuff, and you've got some arguments in your bank where you can rebut them, yeah. So that, like, just be prepared for whatever you throw at someone else because it's going to come back at you. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think for the type of show that you and I are trying to create and the type of vibes we want in life is, like, we're probably not going to go there. Um, I notice Mm – yeah, I don't know if you know Joey Schwartz. Um, he's a 19-year-old yeah. at, at UCLA who is is really knowledgeable about, about carnivore. He's doing the same yeah. thing, and I'm seeing a lot more videos of him really throwing a lot of carnivore-promoting doctors under the bus by doing the – you know you do the thing where you're watching the video and you're, re- you're reacting yeah. to the video – I, yeah. You know, I I just I don't know I don't I don't dig that vibe personally. But you're right. Like, I've, if you want to grow your audience, that is a good way to do it. Mm. I mean, he's a he's a perfect example because he came on my podcast as well. It hasn't been released yet. He's a perfect example of someone who I need when you're interviewing need to either stay in their remit or realm which is he's very good at talking about his personal experience with carnivore and bringing in little bits of research but we had a tendency in the interview that that i had he presented this very polished view like of knowing many things about many topics and i think that's fine but you know we got onto the topic of curing cancer with and like his perspectives on cancer and like which are very interesting but it's this risk of like anyone can have a perspective on cancer. Anyone can have a perspective on carnivore. Anyone can have a perspective on veganism. But what makes it an interesting conversation is the creden- the credentials and the knowledge base that the person is coming from. Like you can ask me about the mechanics of a car. I'm going to give you an answer, but it's probably going to be wrong. Like, so, so we can go off on a waffly chat about the mechanics of a car, but that's not very interesting for a person and that's not very credible. But so, so that's what, it's very difficult. Like there are people that want to offer an opinion on everything and, you know, it's being aware of like whether those opinions are, everyone's got a right to the opinion on everything, but whether those opinions are founded in anything. Yeah. It's one of those things like just because you can, like, should you, like it's a, it's a, it's a, Mm. especially with, with cancer, like you might be a hundred percent right, but I don't know. There's like a time and a place, especially with cancer, that you just don't really need to push into that. People have yeah, different ideas. I, I mean, he was, he was, and I, I don't, he might be right. Like, exactly. this is the thing. I, I mean, so, so, but like, he, he, it's just so out there. It's almost like the kilts issue. Like, it was out there saying, like, the body is naturally cancerous and cancer is like a natural cleaning process of the body. And like, most cancers will go away with enough time and without being treating them. And like, I, again, I was not prepared and I don't know the research and I don't know, like, and, and he was talking, he's written this big essay 
and like hats off to him. He's 19. He's so right. engaged with this stuff. Like I cannot fault him there. But if you have, I don't know, sometimes wild opinions like that need to be kept to oneself until you've, you've, um, really dug into it and you're really sure about it but again like who am i to say it just yeah i i have been i have been pondering whether to release that actually or cut that bit out but i've always liked to to release everything really and it's just a part of again the evolution yeah Yeah, i would be the podcast and i would be interested to hear it again i i (laughs) wouldn't do that on a show but i i would be curious to hear it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, often, often your, 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 your willingness to put stuff out there is it, it, it becomes more, you, you become more natural. It can work both ways. It can be, it can either kill your credibility or it can right. enhance your engagement. Yep. You know? Yep. That's right. A lot so, of people follow him. So you're right. Like if you want to yeah. grow your audience, that is something that you can do. Um, I'm still a little bit reeling from you not being able to talk about car engines when your last name is McLaren. What kind of bullshit is that? I know. That? I know. I'm sorry. Well, I actually can. I'm actually a mechanic as well. So we can get into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second to last question. One of my favorite favorite questions to ask people. How do you define success with podcasting? And by that definition, are you successful? How do I define success with podcasting? At the start it was very much a numbers based thing. I defined it on how long can I get this to continue? It was because if I, if I, I threw myself forward when I first started, it was like, can I do 10 episodes? Like just to see how it is. And then it became, can I do 20? And then it, now it's, can I do 50? So I've kind of focused on that number and then it becomes a qualitative exercise where I'm like, okay, how well did I get to the core of the person's, information and understanding and like did i illuminate a subject well um without going down rabbit holes so some podcasts i am successful and other podcasts i do not feel like i'm successful i'm I'm periodically successful with good questions and preparation but i would say the one thing that the obvious thing that people think of when they think about podcast success is number of listens and number of downloads and I had to quickly come away from that because at the start of podcasting, it's going to be very low. Like people think of the thousands. And if you think about podcasting at the start, you're thinking about just getting into the hundreds. Yeah, exactly. Like just breaching that three figure number is like, wow, you know, now there are people starting to listen. And And when I first started, it was in the pandemic like pandemic was like, whoa, like this is immediately gone. Like I've got like a hundred plays or a hundred downloads. And then, and then I, I sort of stopped when I went away to, when I first moved to Mexico and started traveling around here and, and until about six months ago when I picked it up again. And then when I picked it up again, it was like, like you're saying like tens and then and then it hit the hundreds again. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm finally back into the hundred <laughs> hundreds. And it was like, and now it's a case of like the stuff you've recorded six months ago is feeding your downloads. That's right. So it's like, it's like a compounding thing. So very quickly I had to go away from trying to expect a certain number or expecting things to happen in a certain time. I think just survival, like many companies even, it's like just survival at the yeah. start and just trying to hone and trying to refine. So I'm surviving. So by that metric, I am, I am successful. Great answer. That's a great <laughs> answer. Uh, so what, what things do you think the future will bring? Are you looking to evolve your podcast in a certain way or move in a certain direction? Or are you cool just letting that kind of unfold naturally? I I think the latter really letting that unfold naturally, but I, I would be lying if I didn't think, right, that this has got to go to some direction in terms of like, I think Brian Sanders is a great, um, a great example of someone who has his podcast and uses his podcast to feed his knowledge around his documentary that he's coming out, Food Lies. He's got the Sapien Center, um, it, where he's, you know, focusing on like, you know, cold exposure and good quality food and like the community aspect around stuff. And he's got his podcast, Peak Human. And like, so I would love to have the podcast as kind of like an anchoring stone to which many other things grow off, like getting involved with health projects or being able to link up with people who I think are amazing in the industry, like Bill Schindler or Dr. Mickey Bendel or like yourself or like, you know, all all of these people that wouldn't have the opportunity to talk to otherwise. 
So um, those are the those are the main things. And and as it stands, like no real clear plans. I actually had the first person reach out to me the other day to to um, be like an ambassador for that for I think they're called raw bars, like um, like beef protein bars. Wow. But um, I haven't heard back from him for a couple of weeks. So um, <laughs> we'll wow. see. But you know, things start to happen when you uh, when you stay committed to something like this and you've got to fight through, you know, you'll know it as well. And, and anyone else starting out, you have to fight through the little voice in your set head that says I'm shit right now. Like I've, I want to quit because ultimately you probably are shit, but you're not going to get any better without doing it. And like, you know, episode 34 is better than episode 33 for me. And episode 33 was better than episode 32. So times that by what you're at 400 episodes, and you're you're an amazing podcast now. So it's like you've got to fake it till you make it and keep trying and getting better and better. I love that. That is amazing advice. What a great way to end this conversation. This was super fun. Part two of our chat about podcasting. Where would you like people to go to find you and find your podcast? So the best place is Instagram. So at chatting fit, chatting underscore fit or my Instagram page is at thinly underscore squats, or you can go to YouTube. That's at chatting fit. Or if you search in any Google or uh, web search engine, it'll just be chatting fit and that should come up. Perfect. We will link to all of that. In the notes Finley McLaren. Thank you again so very much for having this awesome chat about podcasting. Hey, thank you for having me on again. I'm surprised you're not tired of me yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. And check out Boundless Body Radio, our primary podcast, where we host world-renowned experts that provide tons of helpful content around health and wellness.